0: Roll podcast.
1: Let's go do something gnarly and then reboot everything. So then we can start to truly showcase the basics again.
0: On the pod today are three guys attempting a most impressive and meaningful feat.
1: So could we skydive or base jump, land and run a full marathon, and then plunge into the water or swim on all seven continents in seven days? My friend, my coach...
0: Frequent podcast guest, Chris Houth is one of them. The other two are former Navy SEAL Ryan Birdman Parrot, as well as former US Army Special Forces, Alex Racy. Together, they're all here to discuss this insane, crazy, impending feat that they're about to embark upon. It's called the 7X Project.
1: We gotta go big. And after meeting Chris and doing some of these runs, I'm like, maybe I went a little too far. <laughs> or maybe a lot too far. <laughs>
0: I got a couple more things I would very much like to mention before we dig into this one. But first, let's acknowledge the awesome organizations that make this show possible. Hey, everybody. Like me, Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge. The no-cost, science-based habit-building program designed by my well-being wizard brother simon hill to specifically up level the most important biomarkers that drive health span, that drive disease prevention physical fitness and mental well-being courtesy of a doable evidence-based 12-week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with simon that dropped january 1 that's rrp 804 if you listen to that episode then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge and nobody handles blood testing better than inside tracker who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the no cost challenge by offering a 25% off discount on inside tracker tests to unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge visit theproof.com/livingproof gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16 year old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue and it's been wonderful as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it, my body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com richroll and use the code richroll25 To redeem this offer, that's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. Okay, the 7X project. More impressive than the actual feed itself is the goal behind it, which is to gather data on human performance and more importantly, recovery from high stress situations for the purpose of helping retired veterans learn how to recover properly from the traumas they endured throughout a career of selfless service.
2: We've never been at war like this for decades at a time. So when I think about who we can help, there are people out there that maybe just missed it as far as, hey, there's some really simple things you can do to take better care of yourself, just Mm -hmm. focusing on how you eat, sleep, move, and even mindset stuff.
0: On top of all of this, they also hope to shed a light on and find a solution for A silent epidemic in our country, which is that five times more veterans have died by suicide since 9-11 than have died in combat or in active duty in any form, which is obviously a huge problem in dire need of
1: redress. And so, yeah, it's a massive problem, and that's just that community. When you talk about first responders and you talk about civilians, who knows what that number looks
0: like. So this conversation, we unpack a lot, it's equal parts inspiring and important, and uh, I'm honored to share it with you all right now. So buckle up, this is a good one, hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, please enjoy. So happy to have you guys here. Uh, Really excited to get into all of this, the how, the why, But let's start with the what, like who wants to jump in and explain this crazy fucking thing
1: that you guys are about to do right now? (laughs) Uh, I'm game in. So uh, the backstory of this event is I've always been fascinated by extreme sports. And so doing things like skydiving, base jumping, flying wing suits, anything that gets my heart rate going, I've been fascinated by. And I've been doing it, but I wanted to do it in a way that would not only honor veterans for their service, but also be able to give back to them. So how do we raise capital? Well, we do crazy things and then it brings money in, and then we give that away. And in 2019, I got a phone call from a teammate that my sniper partner, my, one of my true Norths in life, took his life. Mm. And for me, it was, I don't like when people say that sucks or I'm just gonna mourn them. I wanna do something about it. And so I said, what are we missing here? Why does this keep happening? I'm so sick to death of losing friends. So for me, it was, is there more to the story than it just being a brain issue? And my idea was that it was physiologically based because everything is part of the physiology. And if it's not all in unison, you're gonna have problems. Take a guy like Alex, who's done 25 years in the military. If you compound that effect of breaking them down over that career, of course, they're gonna have issues when they get out. So then my idea was, all right, let's go do something gnarly and break our anatomy, break our physiology and then reboot everything. Mm-hmm. So then we can start to truly showcase the basics again. Mm-hmm. How do you get back to true north or homeostasis? So the idea of coming up with seven X was, who's gonna care if we run in six states or seven you know, cities or whatever, we gotta go big. And after, Meeting Chris and doing some of these runs, I'm like, maybe I went a little too far, <laughs> or maybe a lot too far. <laughs> Chris has experience with that, though. He has v-
0: overly eager and enthusiastic al- athletes that approach him with audacious projects, and he has a very delicate touch in trying to, you know, kind of create a, a sense of reality around that. But, you know, obviously you're here and this is happening, so.
1: It is. And so the idea was could we do like the seal thing? sorry, but sea, air and land. So could we skydive or base jump, land and run a full marathon and then plunge into the water or swim on all seven continents in seven days. Uh huh. And I immediately asked some of my dear friends, like Alex, hey, what do you think about this? And it was instantaneously I'm in. And so we knew that we had a caliber of guys who had the mentality for it, who were willing to get to the athletic place they needed to be. And then we started developing the team, the scientist team around it to say, what are we gonna study? How are we gonna do this thing? And everything we thought of except for like, are we gonna get coached? Like who's gonna teach us how to move this way? Mm-hmm. And Alex actually spearheaded finding us. Chris.
0: Right. So you're 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 part of your profession, Alex, is as a coach, right? As right. a as a sort of performance coach yeah. at large. Yeah. Yep.
2: I do some personal performance coaching, but you know try to get in on from, the mic from an athletic. Bit. Yeah standpoint not at this level so um actually i mean you know starting with the seal army stuff where we bust each other's chops all the time um the only reason i'm at the podcast is because i've heard about him through your book so Uh i read your book Uh and i was like you know went from the couch to doing what he did um and I had to go back because uh, it was on Audible. I had to listen to the, I'd listened to the who book twice already, and I was like, what, "What's that coach's <laughs> name? What's his company?" And then I, uh, I did the cold email off of the website and got mm-hmm. a call back, and here we are. Right. A few months later. So. Right. Yeah. So I found, I found Chris through you. Your story illuminated. Exa- you know, I knew enough about Zone Two to know that we needed somebody who could
0: with like an endurance get background. Get us there, yeah. you
2: know, as opposed to the whole running in the gray zone the whole time and then being like, wow, we really tanked on the actual yeah. event.
0: Yeah, so, so there's the actual endurance piece to this whole thing, running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. And we'll get into, you know, where those locations are and what that entails. And then there's the extreme piece to this whole thing, which is base jumping into these marathons or parachuting into them. And then there's the, logistics piece, right? Which I'm sure you guys are really good at. Like this is kind of what you're
1: trained at. So it's a very complicated puzzle, right? It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it's, it's a fucking nightmare. Uh-huh. So the idea behind how do we how are we going to pull this off is my COO is a Green Beret. And my personal belief is that Green Berets are the best at logistics. They're good at going into places and establishing a relationship, establishing like a mechanism within that place. And so not only did we bring the Green Beret and Bryce Hansen to actually run the logistics piece, but then he brought in his Green Beret team to deploy around the world to mm. really get these locations fortified, connect with the locals, make sure that we were set with everything. So it's been a process of about 15 months of planning and we're about 80% there right now. Okay, so explain the locations and the specifics of the event itself, just so people understand what we're talking about here. Certainly, so we're taking a group of about 75 to 80 people on this. <laughs> so, so that
0: alone, right?
1: <laughs> we, we made the- When Chris first even... called me and he told me this, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> exactly, yeah. wait, how many runners are there? Yeah. Go ahead, So They don't know that they're all doing it too. Uh-huh. So. That was that was another question I had, but go ahead. <laughs> so. Um, so we'll all fly into Cape Town, South Africa where we stage and that's where our plane will be waiting for us. We have a, a- 757, this is not like a little plane. It's a massive plane. Right. Apparently it seats 400 people. So we went overkill and it's just one of those things that can get us everywhere we need to go. Um, it's quite expensive too. Uh huh. So <laughs> I would imagine. Just the drama of trying to find the plane that we could actually use that was available, that was somewhat within reason of cost. Uh, that was difficult enough just to find a plane. So we actually worked on that for about nine months to get a plane solidified. Um, So once we get to Cape Town, we'll get on our plane, we'll stay on that plane for the duration of the trip. And we go right from Cape Town into a place called White Desert, Antarctica. Very private place, really, really cool place. This white-desert.com. And you can actually go there, but it's very desolate. There's not much there. So our VIPs are going with us. They're gonna be doing like ice wall climbing. And apparently one of the packages they get is they get to have a snowball fight with the special operations afterwards, Mm -hmm. which is really why everybody wants to go. Um, Is this where people have gone in the
0: past to do their Antarctica marathon, or this is a different part of Antarctica?
1: This is completely different. Mm. Yeah, so this is, Runway ice runway. This is going to be our location to run around several times Um, But it's really cool. They have pods. They have kitchen. They have warm rooms They have everything that we need should we have an issue there so because weather changes pretty quickly And if we can't get out and we're in trouble, Mm -hmm. so we're gonna try to make it as quick as possible Uh, So what will happen is when we land in Antarctica We're gonna start off by doing a skydive and the skydive the second we leave the plane is when it kicks off the seven days So we could be there for 10 hours and not be part of the seven days. It's when we leap starts the seven-day window. Mm -hmm. So we'll do our deal. It's gonna take him two hours to complete the marathon. It's gonna take (laughs) us 12, (laughs) we're gonna get it done. Has
0: anybody parachuted into Antarctica before?
1: Yes, they have. Yes. Yeah, that's, we're not trying I mean, what we are doing with this specific event altogether, it's not a world record because it's never been done. So it just doesn't exist, Right. but that's not our vision here. Our vision is we want answers. We wanna really build something at the end. We'll talk about it later, but build something at the end that we can give to people to truly help benefit their life. So it's uncharted territory. So we'll do our jump and then we're gonna get right into the run. We're still working out what that's gonna look like. And then uh, we're gonna plunge. We're gonna polar plunge. Uh-huh. They have those glacial wow. lakes out there. So they're gonna pounce pound some of that out and we're gonna jump in. How long do you think you're gonna be going in that water?
0: Uh, three minutes minimum, but I'm Ooh. gonna try to push four. Ooh. Yeah, nice. That's yeah. cold. Do you do you parachute with your running shoes on and just immediately go into the run or do you assess when you land? Yeah,
1: we're gonna actually be in cold, cold weather gear for the jump. It's gonna be super cold way up high and we're not sure exactly what the altitude we're gonna jump at, but way too cold for us to go slick. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna have time when we land to change out get ready and then start warming up. Because one of the biggest complexities with jumping, especially in areas like this and wind, is you can turn an ankle or a knee really quickly upon landing. And if you do that, it's over. There's no getting into the run. Right. You're hosed and you're hosed for the whole trip. So we gotta be very careful about how we do our landings, not just in that type of environment, but because we're gonna be tired, muscles are gonna be completely smoked after each day. The jumps are gonna get more and more detailed. They're gonna be more complex. So. We have to really be careful about that.
0: And do you jump from a separate aircraft or are you, ju- you're not jumping out of a 757, right? Like that doesn't <laughs> That work. would be well, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, <laughs> I, guess, I don't know, so I don't know anything about this. <laughs> so yeah, but you must have some other aircraft for that, right?
1: It would be a normal, uh, with most jumpers, we jump out of Twin Otters. Mm-hmm. So we'll be jumping out of a skydive plane out there. Got it,
0: okay. Yeah. And there's there's four
1: total veterans that are actually doing the challenge. Is that correct? So there's seven in total, four veterans, seven in total that are gonna be doing all of the running. And then four of the seven will be doing the skydive run and plunge. Got it,
0: okay. And then the rest of the plane is filled with support team. I mean, on your website, you have this massive team. Like there's a lot of people that are contributing to this effort. Um, But then on top of that, you have like VIPs, right? Who are kind of, donating money or or paying for the privilege of being on the plane for part or all of this endeavor.
1: Yes. Correct. So every yeah. time we go into a little deeper mission planning, we find that, oh, we need this or we need this and we wanna be self-sustaining. So we have our medical professionals on the team. We have support staff for our team for the VIPs because we're gonna go separate directions. The VIPs get to actually run a mile with us on each continent. They get a tandem skydive over the pyramids of Egypt. I mean, they get to do some really cool things, mm-hmm. but then they're off to do a very personalized excursion while we're completing each mission. I see, cool. Yeah. So we'll have nutrition support, we'll have physical therapy, you know, PT support, we'll
2: have our doc team and our emergency medical technician um, you know, on the ground. We need to stick this guy with an IV. Patrick right. will be with us on, on our part of the adventure and all of the admin piece of you know feeding us and just you know being able to react to anything that happens some of the runs will be laps others will be out and back so there'll be different Mm -hmm. admin requirements for all of that and you know even just the you know running in antarctica we're going to make a good guess at what we should be wearing but right luckily a few miles later if we've completely boogered that up we'll be able to (laughs) <laughs> have 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 yeah. you know have what we need right there with our team <laughs> to fix it.
0: Well, the good so. news is you have a massive plane that can yeah, handle a lot a little, of equipment, right? <laughs> Don't worry about how no. many bags you're bringing with you, <laughs> <Exactly>. right?
3: <laughs> There's that, but it's also, I mean, um, knowing what we're getting into and trying to pre-plan that. But I think the bigger story is around all these participants too, from a, from a logistics standpoint, they're part of the experience to then help in the documentary and mm. sort mm-hmm. of the impact information we're gleaning from it, that they're there firsthand to also provide valuable, you know, professional
0: insight. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and we'll get into all of that in the why, but I just wanna walk through like the experience itself. So from Antarctica, you go where?
1: We go to Perth, Australia. So we chose the most, well, I should say this cause I'll take ownership. I've chosen the worst scenario of travel. <laughs> so everybody, the World Marathon Challenge, all those other organizations uh-huh. that do things like this are like, why are you going that way? Yeah. What do you mean? Am I wrong? So that just looked good to me. So we're going bass backwards, but we're going to Perth next. So that's a nice long leg for us to do some recovery, see how we feel after the first one. And then we're gonna start thawing out midway through and then we get to Australia and it's gonna be hot. So we go from super cold, sub-zero temperature, all the way to super hot summertime. So Uh that's gonna be interesting in itself. Um, We chose Perth and really I chose some of these locations because at the the beginning planning of this, we were still heavily in COVID. And so some of these places were locked down where it was an impossibility. There was one point where I said, this is not even gonna be able to happen because Australia was locked down completely. Mm -hmm. And we were, I mean, we brought in state department reps and other entities to help us figure out how to circumnavigate and, I mean, they're like, we'll do everything in our power, but we can't guarantee anything. So I'm like, we don't have a program here. So it got really nerve-wracking, but we just kept pushing forward. And then finally, you started seeing things open mm-hmm. up. It was a blessing. So Australia will be next. Uh, one of our pro base jumper skydivers from Australia. So we've got major connectivity out there. We're connected to Australian SAS. So they're going to lay out a lot of the red carpet. And we're choosing more of an area that's more desolate, kind of looks like Australia as far as instead of city. i um, just... I don't like uh, spiders much. So I'm kind of, that's gonna be my thing yeah. on this whole trip. Like if I see a spider, <laughs> you'll hear me a million miles away. <laughs> well, there's lots of stuff in Australia that wants to kill you. Spiders concern me though.
0: <laughs> 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 but you're gonna base jump into the marathon from there?
1: Uh, let's see. So in Australia, we're also skydiving. I see. So there was only a couple places. We actually originally wanted to do base jumping everywhere, but it's impossible to do base jumping in seven days on seven continents. It's just too hard. So skydiving is a lot easier. Everybody on the team skydives and very few base jump. So we wanted to make sure that everybody who was jumping could truly jump. Mm-hmm. So Alex and some of our other guys did military jumps and it converts over. Um, and our pro athletes are some of the best jumpers in the world. So skydiving, we're only doing base jumping in two or three locations okay. of the seven.
0: Right, but those are epic locations. So from Perth you go, where's next from there? To Dubai.
1: Dubai. So yeah. there's an epic base jump happening there. So it was, it was originally gonna, we were looking at the, uh, the al Burj, and we heard that it was feasible, but for a price tag that we couldn't afford. Right. So the, now, That's
0: the Burj Khalifa, that the, the tallest building there, no, right? No, it's
1: the one on the water. The tall one oh, is definitely right. an interesting the sail- one. The one. Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's got the helicopter platform, yeah. um, but we've now gotten word that it's uh, the Princess Tower. So, mm. hum, I mean, you can junk a wingsuit off of it. So, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe we're going to do wingsuits. Mm. So, that'll wow. be a base jump, but everywhere will still contain a skydive as well. It's for the guys that are right. not base jumpers, so we can still get that going. I mean,
0: how many can do the wingsuit? You, you do that, right? I but do. does anyone else on the team do it? I mean, you have coaches and stuff like that, but of the people that are running the marathons, no, we don't. I know, the only no, one. You're yeah, the only one. The only right. One. So, yeah. yeah.
1: I should look at that and say, "Am I doing something wrong with my life?" <laughs> I know.
0: That was. By the a, way, no. my wife is obsessed with with like bird suit flying. Like she's constantly sharing those videos. Like she's just like, in a I think in a in some parallel universe, she's like a uh, you know a bird suit person. Like she just loves it. Like it's fantastic. It's such a cool. I want to get
1: into like what that's all about, but I don't want to derail what we're talking about. Sorry sure. for the diversion. Absolutely. So. It's neat, Dubai, really cool place. And for me, I mean, he's traveled everywhere around the world, I spent most of my time in Iraq. Uh So I haven't seen the world like he has. I have never been to any one of these locations, minus London, so I'm really excited Mm -hmm. it's gonna be new. Um, Yeah, so we go to Dubai and after we complete the jump, then we're going to run, I think that they've considered the marathon that they do out there, the marathon route. And then we'll plunge in the water and get back to our plane and we're out to the next location which would then be Cairo, Egypt. Mm. That one's gonna be fun.
0: Yeah, so you're gonna parachute over the Great Pyramids. That's right. There has to be some logistical back channeling with political big wigs in order to pull that off,
1: right? No yes. one gets to do that. It's hard, it's been difficult. And it's, yeah, sign this paper and then submit it and we'll tell you in three weeks if you're good to go or not. It's been a lot longer than three weeks, so we're still working through it, um, but it happens. We've, you know, plenty of our guys have jumped it before. So not really worried about it. Um, It's going to be an interesting marathon because some of it's soft sand. takes me back to the days of SEAL training, which sucked. So Mm -hmm. running in soft sand is not the most fun. So it won't be all soft sand. Um, And then we actually have to get into a helicopter or we're going to get into a plane and fly to a different location and jump in the water Mm -hmm. because the Nile's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of bacteria in there and apparently Americans are not allowed at all to go in the water, mm. so.
0: And what is the swim piece in all of this? So get, what does that mean, getting in the water?
1: Yeah, so of course the athletes always ask that question where everybody else is like, oh, you're gonna get in the water. So yeah. it was just a plunge. And the idea for me was Sierra and so let's just get in the water because I didn't think we were gonna have enough time to actually do a swim on each location. It's more so just douse yourself off from the marathon and enjoy so right yes. yeah that was that was my first
2: question when bird brought this up i was like when you say swim what do you mean because <laughs> that's a significant emotional event for some army guys <laughs> right right so uh, there's a reason them, you went into the army yeah there's and a not reason die. i went in the army that is absolutely true <laughs> navy army yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh he was like oh just a plunge man i was like all right i'm good with that right i'm looking forward to it Swimming. Yeah, I of swim. course you yeah, are, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to watching Chris swim. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
0: You're gonna have some lawn chairs parked right at the base <laughs> and you see him going out, it's gonna be great. You all plunge, Chris is gonna go on a little mini adventure of his own, right? Again, unique
3: locations. When else yeah. am I gonna have a chance yeah. to do those swims?
0: And Chris, are you gonna run all the marathons yeah. also? I'm gonna run yeah. all the marathons. Sure.
3: And we have two pacers along, um, guys who run ultras and so on. Mm-hmm. So friends of theirs. And, They've been around them for a while. But then, when we were about a month into the coaching, six weeks into the coaching, they said, We'd love to have you along. And I was like, Well, all right, twist my go. arm. Yeah. <laughs> so, although, you know, you go through uh, the training and you're like, Yeah, a
0: marathon for seven days in a row is going <laughs> to be a little painful. So. A little bit. Little, you, you're no stranger to these things though. I am not. <laughs> but this is a little qualitatively different, right? Yeah, it is. Base jumping, para- yeah. are you gonna jump? I'm uh, tandem jumping
3: in um, Egypt. That's right. You are, that wow. So At a minimum. Cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. You're
0: gonna, just you're gonna just push Chris out the door,
3: right? Absolutely. Uh-huh. We're gonna get it on camera too. <laughs> they've already said they've already said a few times the fact that I've put them through this training peaks torture. They're like, we're gonna get it all back yeah. in one in one single <laughs> right. push out the window. Uh-huh. We'll catch you. We'll yeah.
0: catch you as you're free falling uh-huh. and release the shoot. Right. Um all right, so from Egypt then to To London. To London.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And here's, here's where it gets pretty cool, right? I'm super excited about London because I believe personally that I'm James Bond. So I'm super excited to go back to my homeland, so. uh uh-huh. Now London was uh, just one of those deals where I'd work with some of the British SAS and I've got a lot of friends out there. So I said, this was gonna be a really unique place for us to go. Um, initially, we worked on jumping the bridge out there and the bridge is very unique, it's called London Bridge. And a lot of people know it, significant. What people don't know is it was the place where they first did base jumps. And it was like in the 1800s, Mm. like late 1800s for military testing. Um, So it has been jumped once since then. And it's very difficult to get done. Well, one of our guys on our team is friends with the guy who makes all that happen. So we said, all right, let's go for that. And then we were gonna jump into the water. So we would actually land, run the full marathon first and then jump off the bridge into the water. Mm. We have had since then had to change it because getting a parachute wet and salt water, it really taxes your parachute. We can't use it the rest of the trip. Mm. So the idea now is we're actually going to land and we're gonna run our marathon. And then what will happen is at Chelsea hospital, we're gonna park a crane and we're gonna base jump off the crane right near Chelsea hospital. And there's water right there for the skydivers. They will go on a helicopter to a new location and make their jump. And then we'll all come back together. Wow,
0: that's cool. Yeah. That's a bummer, though. They won't let you do it off the bridge. Well, they'll let them
3: do it. It's just because of the oh, shoot. Oh, because of the shoot, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. We are still working on it, though. Uh-huh. You know, we're just going to keep going mm-hmm. until they say absolutely no. Can't it, you get a different shoot? It just can, becomes more money. Yeah. You know? I mean, you got a 757.
0: I mean, you're going. <laughs> you know, you might as well go the extra mile. <laughs> exactly. Get a backup, get another shoot. Yeah. Oh, if this
1: is logistics
0: weren't enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, wow, cool, and, uh, and then from there, Cartagena? Cartagena, and that's the last stop? Uh,
1: the last stop will be America. Oh, America, oh, that's right, yeah, okay. So, sorry, walk us through the last two. Yeah, so we wanna go to uh, Cartagena. Originally, it was gonna be Brazil. Uh, we chose Cartagena because it's closer. Gets us into town, we can do what we need to do, and then it's a shorter stunt from where we're going in Colombia to America, so that we could get on the ground and rest for a bit and acclimatize before we start moving. So we chose Cartagena and it's really nice because they're super about working with us. You know, mm-hmm. We've partnered with the Colombian Navy. They're offering an experience of a lifetime to our VIPs where they can go out and shoot fully automatic machine guns off their boats at targets and just metal targets and plastic targets and things like that. Um, but it's something that they don't offer to anybody. So that's what we were looking for with the VIP experience was could we do things that you can't pay to do, period. It's things that we are using our connections and our friendships to say, we're doing something unique and this is for the greater good. What can we really do? Because these, these uh, VIPs are benefactors. They're the ones who are making this whole thing happen right. for us. So we're showing them an incredible experience while we are almost dying. So, Yeah, you guys great. are gonna be
0: fine. You're in good hands with Chris.
1: You're gonna be all right. Yeah,
0: I don't know about the chute not opening up or I anything. Mean, <laughs>
1: Chris can't help you with that part, yeah. but the running part, I think you guys aren't gonna no. be good. If he twisted his ankle upon landing, he would still run faster than us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get into the training, don't worry. Uh, <laughs>
0: all right, and then you end up at, um, at, at a, uh, in, in the United States at like the Seal Museum, right? So at we were initially
1: trained for that, and we ended up deviating to Texas now. We're gonna oh, go okay. just near uh, Dallas, Texas. So it brings everybody back to where we're originally starting from. We can bring all our gear back. And then after we finish, we're gonna have, you know, a couple days of R&R and enjoyment with families and that. And then we've got brain scans for the athletes. Mm-hmm. So we partner with the Center for Brain Health and they're doing pre and post brain scans just to see what happens when somebody goes through something like this. Yeah. So be able to quantify some data. Because one thing is we focus on physiology, they focus really on the brain. So let's bring it all together. Right.
0: Well, I think that's a pretty good segue into the why behind all of this. I mean, you shared a little bit about your background and your colleague who took his life. Uh, I know veteran health, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual is really the backbone of this whole thing. So, you know, talk to me about, you know, the inspiration for this and, you know, maybe even contextualize it with some sense of, you know, what's going on with veterans right now, what the problems are and, how you are looking at the solutions to these
1: problems. Absolutely, love to tag team this one with you. After. Sure, yeah. yeah, let's do it. So Dude, Alex more on the mic here. Yeah, so <laughs> it would be when I, David Metcalf is my sniper partner's name. Mm-hmm. And it would be like me and Alex. Alex is a leader, he was higher ranking than me. And he's a guy that everybody around him looks at as, hey, you're the go-to guy because you're always on point. You're always ready to go. You're the guy we look to you for, word and advice. So that was David for me. And we have this suicide epidemic and it's not just the veteran community, it's across the globe. It's an issue, a terrible issue, but you never think about your mentor, your true north taking their life. You feel completely helpless when that happens. And that's what I felt. I mean, I felt like I was, I had no guidance at that point. And then I couldn't understand why he of all people did it because this is not David. Some people say that David was the guy that we all went to and we never saw it, his wife didn't see it. I mean, there was nothing up until the very end. Mm -hmm. And we've been dealing more and more with the post-traumatic stress of the wars, the TBIs, traumatic brain injuries. You're hearing about CTE within the NFL and that. And so it's becoming a bigger problem. Personal take, as we've talked about it, what we try to understand and try to take our minds to where that could be to better understand it because it's hard. You know, I've been low before. I've had my, my dealings with depression and anxiety and I didn't get to that point where that was a thought. So I'm trying to get there for David's sake and for all the others. And one is being away from the tribe. That's a humongous thing. You know, you're a part of something I was eight years in, Mm -hmm. I did eight years in the military, 25 years, you've been in athletics your whole life. And then let's say that you can't be around that community anymore. You know, how does that make you feel? What do you do? And it's not easy to get through it. You gotta figure out who you are deeper. And we're not trained to do that. We don't talk about that stuff. We're supposed to be tough, right? Mm -hmm. We tell ourselves that. So being part of the community is something that we're trying to teach people is, hey, you got to stay connected with the brotherhood, the sisterhood. You have to stay involved, even though you don't wear the uniform, because it's not the uniform, it's the camaraderie. That's what matters and what builds us to do the jobs that we do. So that's one of the biggest pieces. The second piece is they don't try to reinvent themselves. You know, it's the, don't, we don't want people to live in the past. You got to move forward and you got to say, okay, I still am that person, but I want to add to it now. Mm-hmm. So what's next for me? And I'm going to go for it. Um, what are your thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, I think I think um, to just add on to what Birdman said, and I've been out of the military since 2016, so my experience is way different than what people leaving the military now are experiencing, and I hope they're experiencing a much better transition um, than what was going on back when I, when I got out. And I had a great transition, but I don't know that it was, you know, my unit did as much as, you know, we were always kind of on the cutting edge of how do we just get better at everything, whether that Mm -hmm. was performance while you're in the job, uh, to, hey, we need to transition guys out better and gals out better, um, and we're always just trying to learn. As I think about everything that we're talking about, I'm I'm fortunate in that I've never had someone very close to me from the military commit suicide. and I try to think about you know how do people get to that spot, and I just you know obviously anybody sitting here talking about it can't can't really relate mm-hmm. to that, or at least in my mind they can't. Um, what I've been thinking about a lot as part of this project, and the, you know the things we're trying to help our community with, and it you know and that's firefighters, police officers, you know people in the medical field that just have these incredibly stressful situations that. Generally, people you know a lot of people in their common day-to-day life don't experience uh, like the military. So, so I would you know I kind of look at that whole group as our as our community that we want to be able to help affect. Mainly, Um, I keep coming back to transitions and relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate in that I have I had great you know my big thing was I love the people I worked with, and I was in the same organization for over 17 years. Last 17 plus years of my career was with the same people. And, and I'm, you know, it's, I mean, it's, they're your family. You know, some years I spent more time with them than I did my, my wife and kids, my biological family. So, so it is, it's interesting to think about how that can affect certain people when they, when they lose that, when they lose that identity. You know, you put all your eggs in one basket. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an army special forces stud i'm a navy seal i'm a marsac guy i'm 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 a swat operator i'm a you know i'm the whatever the best firefighter in my county and then all of a sudden you lose that or you just age out
0: right Right.
2: um how does that affect people and how do we like like birdman was saying how do we how do we maybe focus on keeping people from ever getting to that Spot where they think like think about that as an option because I don't mm-hmm. you know I don't, I don't know who's ever going to figure out how to f- fix the while well, I'm already here, but you know I like walking this, them off the yeah. ledge
0: versus like yeah. preventing them from even getting yeah, that far like down left the line. The yeah, let's I mean keep
2: them, let's just keep them off you know away from the cliff it's, altogether.
0: It's a you know it's a gr- it's a great point and it's a much more complicated conversation about how you solve that connection piece than it is to talk about TBI or PTSD. Like, I feel like, you know, we've, we have come a long way in terms of awareness of these issues. I don't know how great, you know, the Veterans Administration is or, or what the care looks like for, you know, people in your situation when you're exiting out of that life I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done to, you know, properly attend to these issues. But at least we're talking about those issues, uh, and there are, you know, sort of medical solutions to those on some level, um, or psychological solutions to those. But the connectivity piece, the community piece, like when you exit out of this thing that was so intense, where you're so bonded to this community of people, and then overnight it's gone then that leaves you with you know, this search for meaning in your life that can be existential. You know, like, like that's a much harder thing. I mean, Chris, when we were talking the other day about just, you know, I was trying to wrap my head around how to approach this conversation. I mean, you had some interesting thoughts about this as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, and I can relate it to what we even talked about last year or two years ago with regards to athletes, right? You're playing in front of a hundred thousand people one Saturday, suddenly Mm -hmm. you're graduated or not even graduated and done. Your entire identity, yeah, your entire life since you're two, three, four, five years old is gone, right? And so relating, not understanding, but relating. And we talk a lot about it and you talked about it to me early on in this project about how just the tools and techniques are not available from you know nutrition guidance to supplements to what kind of strength work or pt work you should be doing or just you know in order to keep yourself healthy and sharp and with purpose i mean that's the main component we as the group keeps talking about and we just spent 4 or 5 days together mm-hmm. in scottsdale training and getting to know each other better before this trip and sort of do the simulations that I like to do so much. But the constant com- conversation revolves around why is there not a better platform for these operators who are human performance you know, specialists at the highest level that we as athletes are given that, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And they're not given that in the same way, the education, the insights, the knowledge and they're the front of the spear. They're putting their yeah. life on the line, and they're not given these tools. They yeah, this work. was this woman in a
0: pool. <laughs> and like, This was shocking to learn, right? Yeah. Like you think, oh, buds, and all the you know sort of rites of passage that that you guys have to go through in order to become, you know, the elite of the elite in our in our armed forces. That you're being armed with the absolute, you know, best science, best tools. Mindset, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, to equip you to handle the highest stressful situations that you know any human being could ever place themselves in, which would in turn, later down the line, serve you as you're exiting. But you know I'm learning through what Chris has shared and I'm interested in what you guys have to say about this, that there are significant gaps in that training or in that toolbox that need to be rectified.
1: I'll just take it from my perspective, because we served in two different, entirely two different right. units. So, and I was back at the beginning of the war, and I got out when the war I thought was dying down, so I did eight years. So, I only had an eight-year glimpse into what performance was, and we didn't have it. So, if you get broken, they're going to send you to a specialist, and they're going to help you rehab to get that brokenness back. But we don't talk about diet or nutrition. We talk about sleep. It was purely let's just do the workout that the PT's asking you to do to rehab yourself to getting back to war. The problem is that we go and we do a hard workup where we train and then we go deploy and we do the work overseas. You're breathing in all kinds of crap. You're running over undulating terrain. You're asked to do the unforgiving jobs. And then when you get done in the back end, it's wash, rinse and repeat. There's no stop, pause and reboot. Mm -hmm. And that was a big point. And I never knew any of this in my career. Up until doing this project, I didn't have a lot of this. The godsend is my wife. My wife, she got into health and nutrition a long time before me. And when I first met her, I went into her fridge and she had nothing but green in her room. And I'd never seen half these plants before. I'm like, where's the food? And she's like, that's the food. We're gonna eat that. I'm like, mm. she butts into my belly. I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm but I didn't know any of that. And that's the problem is they're not teaching that stuff and how vital, how important. I mean, just this last couple of days, talking about the nutrition and the supplementation pre, during and post, how vital that is. Well, why didn't I do that overseas? I could have been a better performer. I am tired of relying on brain matter to get me through something. If I could be that much more of a performer because I'm doing the right things, that I don't have to really push it that hard with my brain so that when I choose to, I can go even further that would be the goal
0: mm-hmm. and what does it look like from so, your perspective so
2: from my perspective um i look at it over you know the decades and, and and the bottom line is we we don't have any we've never been at war like this for decades at a time so i completely agree with birdman um, especially in and and the fact that everybody has their own experience right so some people Get out of the military and they have the ability to transition into their civilian, you know, life with and maintain the same standards that kept them very high functioning while they were in the military mm-hmm. and others don't. So, I mean, when you, when I when I think about who we can help, I don't know who all it might be, but there are people out there that maybe just missed it like they didn't hear it the way they needed to hear it as far as, hey, there's, there's some really simple things you can do to take better care of yourself, just mm-hmm. focusing on how you eat, sleep, move, and even mindset stuff, right? My experience was just like Birdman's. It was like, hey, this we're going to war. Oh, this is gonna, you know, neat, finally. You know, I've been training for over 10 years in the military, and now we get to go do what we got hired to do. Fast forward. Ten years later, after ten years of deployment, that was an unknown. So even in wanting to affect performance at the individual and group level, there was no model for that. So mm-hmm. preservation, so SOCOM, our all of the special operations highest headquarters, which is in Tampa, threw a ton of money at this around 2013, 2014 and it was called the Preservation of the Force and Family Program, or POTIF, is what a lot of people have had. It's been a very successful program. And the four buckets of care or focus were physical, mental, what I call uh, social, and spiritual so Mm -hmm. you know how how are you performing physically mentally how are you performing as a as a member of society and as a member of your family and then the spiritual component and all of the special operations units were able to take money out of this pot and and bring in contractors to support in all four of those domains. So, I was fortunate enough to be the first preservation of the Force and Family Director for my unit mm. and they were like, "Hey, we want somebody who actually we want the customer that's, you know, the operator and everybody who's just going down range over and over and over again just getting, you know, the wheels run off of them and their families. We want somebody like that representing us in this in these discussions and these Planning meetings for who, who, who needs what and who gets what, and you, you know, the fact that I wasn't an expert in any of those four domains made it really easy for me to just kind of go down there again as as the representative and go, yeah, we want to, we want, we want all of it, and we right. want as much as we can get. So uh-huh. that's what I did in my last three years in the army for my unit, and I retired from that position. So I was personally very fortunate to start interacting with all of these next level professionals in the mental space and in the and in, in the you know physical performance space because what where we were trying to pull expertise from is is professional and and college level athletics and you know all of the top drawer performers in Outside of the military space, right. we said, "Hey, we want your expertise. We want to try to f- fix some of our problems with your expertise." And so I learned a ton, and and honestly, that kind of led me to my current situation where I'm doing personal performance right. coaching.
3: Right. Did well, it help? Did it help the the team?
2: It, it's absolutely helping, and it and you know <gasps> the the program overall is 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 still, I mean, it's still in existence. We're still pulling a lot of contractors in to support all of this. Again, kind of back to my initial point, is we're, at some level, we're guessing, you know? And, and I left years ago, so I'm sure we have a, a better picture of what right looks like now. Yeah. But it's like, hey, what what do you do when somebody's been going overseas over and over and over again for well, 10 we years? we have one
3: guy on the team who's still pretty active. Right. Is active, <laughs> and you know, there's saunas, there's cold plunges, there's state of the art facilities, but he's asking me what to do. Interesting. And how to apply the protocol Yeah, and why it works. So right, they're I mean-
0: making these things available, but it's not exactly. connecting. And, and so seven, I remember like I went to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs and they have a whole like mindfulness program there, but none of the athletes do it or, or sign up for it, right? Yeah. Like there's a gap in that. And if it was, I mean, it's great that this program exists and hopefully mm-hmm. it's, you know, growing and improving, but the mental health statistics and the suicide statistics tell the real story of outcomes. And, you know, on the website you, or in your deck that I went through, like there's some pretty dire, it tells a pretty dire story. I don't remember the numbers, but maybe you do, but they're, you know, it's not great.
1: Yeah, you know, the last the statistic they released, 7,500 uh, soldiers have been killed in combat and training since 9-11. It's the same date we've lost just over 30,000 to suicide. That's an unbelievable number. Yeah, it's almost five times. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's a massive problem. And that's just that community. When you talk about first responders and you talk about civilians, who knows what that number looks like. Yeah. So in a
0: you know in an alternate universe if you found yourself in the seat of the uh, you know being the secretary of defense and you had a massive budget at your disposal to deploy to address these problems you know what do those solutions look like for you like what do you think needs to be done where are the blind spots how can we better address this crisis and you know create a better path for all of these veterans who are
1: exiting into civilian life? It's a great question. Well, since I'll never be offered that job, the first yeah. thing i would do is legalize base jumping in America, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be my number one plan. Is that within the purview of the secretary of defense? <laughs> I don't know if that's his job. Keeps people very energized like. <laughs> okay. and on alert. Uh, so for me, my vision with hopefully what would come from this project, and it's a lofty goal, but it's a goal, is can we put a humor performance program together for every workup? not just for the special operations for the military, for the first responder communities, for the education system. It's mandatory. It's not just something where you have the ability to go to the gym and lift weights or you can go run. This is a protocol that happens for, let's say we get back from deployment, we have a couple weeks of post deployment leave where we get to dial it down, reboot, see our family, our loved ones, put all the gear away. And then when we get ready to start back up the first week of training or two weeks, whatever it may be, is humor performance only. Let's get you back to homeostasis. And here's the protocol on how we're gonna do that. And you're gonna do it as a team. That's something that doesn't exist mm-hmm. in our community. Um, and I think it's super important. I think that it, there's things that are mandatory that don't need to be mandatory or don't even need to be there, period. And they're not this. And if I were to say anything as the Secretary of Defense was mandatory, if we're supposed to be in charge of national security, we need to be at optimal levels. And the only way to preserve that is to continue to go back to the basics. That's what we do in training. When we get on a gun, we go back to the basics on a pistol, back to the basics on a rifle. It doesn't matter how good we are. I was a sniper. Mm-hmm. Still go back to the basics. Even though I know I can make the shot, I need to bring it all the way back and simplify things to make sure I know exactly what I'm doing or maybe I just need to readjust.
0: Right, so in this context, getting back to the basics from a well-being perspective means how's your sleep? like how's your mood, how's your temperament, how's your relationship with your family, like all of those kinds of things, like making sure that there's a baseline and protocols around, you know, sort of apprising that from time to time to making sure that those buckets are all being adequately filled. I mean
3: from a, it's so crazy, right? Like cuz I this is the world I live in with regards to health and wellness, like uh-huh. wearables and like yeah. breathwork and thermal regulation and all the things HRV we do and, and, and yeah. HRV Yet this is, this is, they should be the ones doing it. Right, I, right?
0: Would, I would have thought that like the special forces were pioneering all of this stuff and like beta testing all these things that ultimately find their way to the consumer markets. And it's sort of shocking to discover that like this isn't being taught or these aren't protocols that are, you know, part and parcel of like your daily routine.
1: Well, the special operations are doing a lot. Don't get me wrong, but you think about big Navy, big army, they don't have the budgets that we have they don't have all the opportunities we have so they are truly struggling mm-hmm. and so this would be more of a play for them right. but the things that we do will transfer to them so if special operations adopted it fl- it bleeds into the military so it, it it's sad um, yeah I, you know and it's like a lot of things
2: if it's not mandatory and i'm not saying any you know everything needs to be mandatory that i think is um good for personal performance but there's you just kind of have this like shoulder shrug kind of yeah we got all that but that's not my thing Mm -hmm. you know and i didn't you know i i sauna i got in the sauna for 10 minutes i didn't like it didn't do it you know i didn't notice any difference whereas you know if you look at the protocols of if you look at the science behind even just dry saunas right you know and the protocols uh that all the different uh talk you know all that there's a ton of performance podcasts out there that talk about hey it's this simple do this this many times a week mm-hmm. this temperature this duration and here's what the science shows as you know uh, all-cause mortality goes down by and it's just like ah you know you, you kind of have um and I had it for a lot of years so I can speak to it clearly you, you don't really think about your demise you know you don't think about sure being What's no, you're. Gonna be, you're what's going to be good for me? Oh, well, I'm. You know, I'm in my. You're 50s. 25 years old. Yeah, what's going to yeah. be you're good like for an me when alpha, I'm? Alpha. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: highly trained. Per, yeah. You're like. You're like. I don't need that. Like I'm invincible. I don't know. Yeah. But right? even, yeah. But that's the
3: interesting thing. Like I like the word homeostasis because it's an interesting dynamic. If you think of it from exercise physiology, the the fact that this is what it feels like to feel good. Right. That when my nutrition is right and I'm sleeping right and I'm fully alert and I'm strong and I'm capable and I'm rested and wow, this is my baseline. Mm-hmm. And now before I deploy, Right, that I know, okay, these are my values. I mean, cycling, we have biological passports where they know everything, right? Like I can go through any sport and they have homeostasis. They have values and numbers so that you know, okay, when things are a little bit off, therefore you might not be as sharp. You might be, not be as durable. You might not be as capable in what you guys need to do, right? And so having this sort of mental, physical recharge, reboot, where nutritional, you're like, you're getting all those things that'll last you for a few weeks, right? Like, or months where you set a baseline of, okay, these are clearly foods I need and we can get them when we're deployed or not, but at least I know what I'm missing. Again, constantly optimizing yourself so that you can be of better service Mm -hmm. to others.
0: Coming back for more, but first, back to the the mental health piece, what is the ambition with the Seven x project and how it can you know sort of address these issues in terms of veteran well being like how are you
1: you know creating some connectivity there so the full outlook of this project is at the end we 're going to make a documentary and that 's going to explain everything from the trials and tribulations of how this was the fact that each one of us have had our injuries or in, uh, learning curve to what we're doing and the completion of it and then the science behind it. But ultimately, all this is gonna be comprised in a manual. And the manual is something that we're gonna sell publicly across the world and 100% of that proceeds are going to veteran causes mm. to continue their mission to help support. I believe that's how the mental side works is, I'll just give you a, a, real, a real test subject here. So we have a person on the team who, at the beginning of this project, I called them because He, if not the best, he is one of the top five base jumpers in the world. he's certifiably insane. He is unbelievable too. He's just got this gift of gab, Australian dude. And he's got this, I love those accents. Uh And so I called him and I said, hey, I need you on the team because I always put safety advisors. Everybody on this team is so good that I don't even know why I'm part of this team. (laughs) I kid you not. Uh it's just it's amazing to me. Well, I asked him to be a part of it and he would I didn't know that he was struggling. And it's amazing, right? We don't know what people are going through. So, he called me a couple of weeks later after he said, you know, I love the mission here. I want to be a part of this. I'm in. A couple of weeks later he was in Brazil, he's sitting on the beach and he's a surfer and he's like, I'm at the lowest point in my life right now. I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what I want to do or I don't even know how to move forward. And all I said to him was, well, get up off your ass and go run a mile. That's it. I said, and they call me when you're done. And I'm no expert in anything. So I just threw that out of my ass, right? And he called me right after, apparently did like a 5K or something. He has a tendency to overdo it. Yes, he does, (laughs) but he did it. And he called me He's like, great. That was just great, mate. And since then he's like, all right, I've just seen this switch in him where he's just that one little step forward was everything to say, okay, somebody cared about me to call me, somebody tell me to, do, to go do something. And that's all we really need to nurture people is to get them moving forward, just one step at a time. If somebody told me when I got out and I was having a bad day, I need you to go eat a meal right now. And then I need you to go you know, rest for a second. And then I need you to get up and I need you to go run and then journal and then call me afterwards. Mm-hmm. Check, I know that. And that's not just military, that is anybody. Like, thank you for giving me some guidance. I'm gonna go do that right now and then you're gonna feel a little bit better. Like, man, I just accomplished something. Yeah. And that's something that we're losing sight on is the accomplishments. You know, we don't have to be the first class and best in the world or anything. It's just gotta be our best version of ourselves.
0: Yeah, and it's those simple things, right? Like in recovery parlance, they say halt. Like if you're feeling like that low or you know down or not great, halt is hungry angry lonely tired are you hungry are you angry are you lonely are you tired like and and the solutions to all of those are pretty simple like eat a meal take a nap like move your body you know call a friend things like that but you know we're always looking for that behind the velvet rope thing like where's the secret that i don't know when the solution is kind of self-evident and it just all it is is a friend reaching out and saying hey go run a mile and call me afterwards like that idea that someone cares and you got that person to move his body it's cool yeah. i think the 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 piece that i want to explore a little bit further is the the community piece like the the you know this notion of you know when you're in the military and then you leave or you're a professional athlete and you're done with that career and you know the it's just going to be impossible in your civilian life to find that kind of heightened experience where you're so bonded to people because you're doing hard things together and the best that we can do is to recreate some version of that through like these 29029 experiences or you know a lesser version of this extreme thing that you guys are, are are about to do that can you know bring those those communities of people back together so that they can maintain some kind of cohesion with those people that were so important to them for that you know formative period of their lives
3: and that's what we're looking to do i mean mm. that's what we've talked about but before we get to that also the 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 part that Ryan and the team are looking to do that it just it's not a solution to the mental health but it contributes right physical activity good nutrition, good sleep, good recovery, and also having a purpose and aim towards something, something whether it's outside of myself or greater than myself or with my group or with my team. And that ties back into your question just now. Yeah, this project that we're on sounds very audacious. And it is gonna be very difficult and complicated. And that's not necessarily the answer, but it's to highlight that next time we do this, we do this as a greater community, more approachable, Mm -hmm. do an annual thing that allows many veterans to say, you know what, I had a chance once a year to see my brothers and sisters, to get together, to do something hard, to grow, to learn, to calm down, to be with each other with people that get it and that filled my cup. Mm -hmm. That filled me up and it allows me to say snap out of it or somewhat snap out of it. Again, nothing permanent solution, but more like a reprieve. And whether it is something like a 29 or 29, where it's all veteran based and they have an opportunity to bond and get closer and be healthy and feel good and learn and nutrition and mindset and breath work. And you put all that together and then off they go and hopefully that carries them for four five, six months.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that something like that doesn't already exist. It does Maybe some something ways. does. Yeah, I don't yeah, I feel you like know, that I'm Roonview not aware warrior of. Roombie warrior
3: foundations. Okay. And there's many um, uh, veteran foundations that offer a lot of mm-hmm. activities. Let's say mountain biking excursions and so forth. And there's a lot of veteran owned businesses that offer these things, but Almost like an annual, like Sturgis or something like that, right? Where you, if you can get a hundred thousand motorcycle riders in North (laughs) Dakota, itinerant (laughs) motorcycle, yeah, you 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 should be able to get the military. Yeah, yeah. it should
0: be a lot easier,
3: (laughs) (laughs) you know. So, but that's why I've, I've been bugging Ryan a lot about this about like, let's just use this as a catalyst to create something where annually it's known as the Human Performance Project. But it's not, let's say, seven marathons. Right. It's something that's approachable, meaningful, that they have to train for. So you're getting ready mm-hmm. for it for a few months. And that creates community and bonding already, right? Because you're looking <gasps> for people in your community or even your former teammates and so forth that you can say, hey, are you training for this too? Like, how are you doing? And just another platform to get closer and
0: yeah. beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's. It's it's a pretty cool thing. You mentioned the human performance project. So that's your like sort of umbrella company. The seven X project is just but one, you know, project that lies underneath that umbrella. So Correct. what is the broader like human performance project mission? What's that all about?
1: Well, so it all umbrellas under a company we call American Extreme. And so they'll be broken into three components, one being extreme live sports stunts because we know that that's something that people want to see. I think it's that people want to see me crash and burn. I think that's why people follow it. Uh-huh. I hope I never give them that opportunity, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it draws people in and it draws our younger generation. And that's something that we need to really focus on is, yes, this is applicable for everybody, but we got to start making these kids and getting these kids to understand it right from the get-go. So that's why this manual that we're creating is for a 14 year old kid and up, mm. So they can truly understand like, I want to live with true north to start. How do I do that? And I don't want to go to Google and find all these biohacks and all these other things when I don't even know the baseline. So we'll have that. We're going to have the human performance department that we're going to continue to add to by doing different types of hard things to develop human performance, both on the mental side and the physical side. And then we're going to have event. So that way it's a community because a short story on the community. So when I got out in 2010, I moved to Dallas. I started working in a job that I didn't want to work for. And I had no community around me of my community I considered. So I was by myself, I didn't like the job I was doing, it became very difficult. And I did it because, uh, you know, you're motivated, you get out, all right, I gotta work hard because this is what I'm disciplined to do. And over a couple of years, it really started to weigh on me. And I felt like it had zero meaning of purpose in life. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. A friend of mine said, hey, you need to go back to San Diego and see your teammates. And I was like, you know what, you're right, I need to. And he's like, well, let's book it right now. And I was like, um, okay, booked it. I went back to San Diego. I got into San Diego before I even texted the guys. And then I said, hey, I'm in town. Does anybody wanna show up tonight and have a drink? And the whole platoon came out. And it was just this unbelievable feeling of acceptance again that I shouldn't have had to have thought I I didn't feel because I thought I left the tribe. And it was just ridiculous that I put Mm -hmm. it in my own head, but ultimately nothing had changed. And it was mostly hearing stories of me and some of the fun stuff that I used to do that they still have in picture. Um, but it was just everything. And that gave me not just a refill for the, the the time, it recharged my batteries forever. So now I make it a point, I'm gonna continue to go back to the community because the better served I can be for myself inside, now I can start helping everybody yeah. else out.
0: And when did the base jumping and, and bird suit stuff come in? Cause that was also
1: sort of a curative thing that you found after right? After you left the military. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just one day you wake up and say, I'm going to jump off a cliff or I'm going to, with a parachute. Let me just make sure to say that. Uh, Don't do the other thing. And then, um, or fly a wingsuit. Now, everybody thought, well, I'm Birdman. So initially, that's what I'm supposed to do. I was actually terrified of everything growing up. I didn't like heights or anything, whatever. Uh, But you get into skydiving and it becomes a progression. I always wondered why the base jumpers were Leaping off of cliffs, and I wondered if I could do that if I had it inside. And I remember getting trained in it uh, years after I started skydiving. And I remember being on the exit point in Switzerland, in the Swiss Valley, looking down and saying to myself, What the hell have I gotten myself into? This is insane. I'm standing there, probably 180 beats a minute, not doing a thing. And I'm like, I can't believe this. And you know, of course, you don't want to let your guys down, so you're like, I'm going to do this. And you breathe, and When you jump, what happens is you initially start falling and then you go head down until your body picks up enough speed for you to actually start gaining air underneath you and then you start flying Mm -hmm. if you're good at body position. And it puts you into a flow state. And it was so incredible, it's like meditation. You don't focus on anything else, I don't care what's going on in your life, it's gone. And you're right in the moment and you're super alert and everything means something so when you pull if you have a problem with your canopy you have to be on it in a split second or you're dead so that's not the exciting thing to me that's the stuff that i just like switching my brain on and having to make quick decisions fast and making the right decisions Mm -hmm. and everything's on you so this is the only thing that i do as an individual sport yet it's always with a community of base jumpers Mm -hmm. so That progression led into, I didn't get into it because I just wanted to do it for fun. I didn't get into it because I wanted to make myself a profile on Instagram or whatnot. I purely got into it because I knew that people were watching it and I saw the number of likes underneath it. And I figured maybe we can do this in such an extreme way to hook people in the younger generation. And then we can use that hook to now engage them with the right things. Right, like
0: the the that that gets people's attention, but that's the trojan horse for the bigger conversation that you want to have. The, the obvious question and you probably get this a lot is that you're, you know, you're finding a way to repl- you had this e- extreme experience as a member of the SEAL teams. You exit that and then you find this other super extreme, you know, pursuit, activity that satisfies your kind of hormonal baseline, right? Like it's sort of like, well, I don't have that other thing that was so, you know, intense and you found this other really intense thing. The question being like short of, you know, base jumping in the that Swiss valley, like is there a way for a more normal person to acclimate to, you know, a more kind of sedated civilian life without having to go chase extreme pursuits? Like that's the bigger question that most
1: veterans are are facing, right? So, I mean, my answer is find homeostasis at home. That is my number one, because I think we put a lot of that off. Like I look at, I have two wonderful children, um, mostly wonderful, and then I have an awesome wife Mm -hmm. and me trying to engage and move forward so fast and do all these things and i'm like what what's the real meaning here and the meaning is i'm a dad that's my number one and i have to be a husband so helping people engage with their families again is really could be the catalyst for Mm -hmm. everything extreme sports for me was never a thrill-seeking thing because i just love adrenaline Um, i'm actually quite terrified when i jump but I know that the bigger push is if we can do these things as a team, we can engage people, and then we can really, with the experts around us, give them the information they deserve. Yeah. So
0: yeah, making it about service, right? Yeah. Sorry, go yeah,
2: ahead, I, Alex. Yeah, I had um, no desire ever to get on a cliff and jump off. So when he's like, "I wonder what why they do that," I never, I never, mm-hmm. uh, that never crossed my mind. Um, but and and like him jumping, you know, I jumped my entire career literally from february 1992 to retiring in august of 2016 just the first few years static line and then free fall the rest of my my career um i'm back to jumping again Mm -hmm. for this project and it still scares me like it always did and i and in in an enjoyable way if that makes sense like i you know feel very alive prior to during the jump and obviously once i've safely landed on the ground Mm -hmm. but I, i The transition piece out of the military for me at 25 years, I kinda, I mean, I'd been in the same place for, you know, I feel like I grew up in the Army, obviously. I retired at 45, so I spent 25 years in the Army, more than half my life. And then, you know, I kinda, as I was transitioning out, I was like, well, you know, am I who I am? Like, can I be a productive person outside of this? Yeah. Organization, Like, it kind of, I was curious, right? And then I get this opportunity to go all the way to Colorado from North Carolina. And so I, you know, and my wife agreed to it. Like, all four of our kids had been born right there in North Carolina. We pulled them all out of everything they'd ever known mm-hmm. and, and moved to the Denver area. And, uh, and it worked out, actually, what well, could be a productive citizen, at least at some level, yeah. in Denver. Um, but it was having something to focus on going oh I was I was really good at this now I'm in this corporate environment and I'm rebuilding this security program for this company and and you know what can I can I be successful at that and that that went fairly well I got um I got bored of it pretty quick and that's where I started a side coaching mm-hmm. business um but to speak to this project, when I heard about the project, and I, I didn't hear it initially from Birdman, I heard it from one of the other athletes, Danny P. And the first thing that hit my mind about this whole thing, it was f- fully like me focused. I was like, I couldn't do that. Seven marathons, and I just went right to the marathons. Seven marathons in seven days, I couldn't do, mm-hmm. like thinking about moving on an airplane from location to location, I was just like, I'm thinking the time involved and, The recovery and my immediate thought was I couldn't do that, and then of course the next thought was, I you know I would love to do that, Mm -hmm. like having that, just like we're talking about something in the distance, that I would really have to like get to a whole new level on for being prepared for and to be able to execute that, you know, barring any Murphys and an accident here Uh or there or sickness or something, and if we can get a lot of attention, doing this crazy uh, adventure or what i tend to call the expedition to get people to then realize well I, you know i can why am i not doing a little bit of movement why am i not yeah. eating a little better why am i not focusing a little more on how how to sleep better you know i'm, I'm gonna start and see what happens i, yeah. I think that that's yeah. gonna be great so i mean you know, it's funny because running Jumping off a cliff and running seven marathons in seven days—I don't know why one was more appealing to me than the other, but for some reason I picked the yeah. long, <laughs> the long slog to get excited right. about. I guess.
0: Well, I'm, I'm interested in in what you your experience has been, you know, pivoting into this world of endurance and taking on a challenge where you have, you know, Chris kind of guiding you with some some training principles that are probably new and different from what you're used to in the military. And then conversely, Chris, who's had a career coaching endurance athletes and aspiring endurance athletes, what has it been like to now train and coach military athletes? Like, how is that, <laughs> how is that different? So I don't know who wants to start, but.
3: Go ahead, guys, yeah. throw me under the bus.
2: I'll, I'll start, I'll start. Yeah. Um, so, so I knew enough to know that I didn't know enough, right? Um, I'd been a general physical preparedness guy, like, hey, I want to be, I want to be fast, I want to be mm-hmm. a, a, have a little bit of endurance, I want to be strong, powerful, all 165 pounds of me. And then we, then I started running as we talked about this, and I, you know, I was like, oh, let me grab this book and that book, and I'll start reading. And oh, here's what a perfect week looks like for a marathon, you know, 16-week plan. So. Multiply that times, you know, seven. Uh, you know, okay, this is not, this is not, this <laughs> no, is not answering. Like a math this is it's not, not gonna... answering the mail, right? So Chris
0: is laughing over. There.
2: So you know, in the in where I was in the military, if we wanted to do something good, we found whoever we could get a hold of that was the best, you know, the best person in the world that we could get mm-hmm. a hold of. Whether that was shooting a pistol, driving a car, driving a truck, driving a, you know, whatever, parachuting. Find the expert. Yeah, we we were like, hey, let's find the expert. And you know, I'd, I'd obviously run a ton over my lifetime, mm-hmm. but uh, nothing like this. I ran the a one marathon in my life in 2011, and it was very ugly uh, the following 24 hours. So I, I, again, yeah, your book, I found Chris through your book, and I said, and listening to your story, I was like thinking about four military, you know, special operations chuckleheads uh, for lack of a better, better term, I was
3: like, "This is the guy that's yeah. probably going to be able to get through to us, uh, if anyone can." Yeah, I mean, I've had you know, it's it's been an interesting experience. I have some experience with working with um, right. uh, former operators and you know guys trying to get into it, and then I worked with a couple of guys getting through Ranger School and so on. So the protocols and so forth were familiar, but you know, you're putting something together that. You have four different people doing something that they've never been on before. And you know, hundred and eighty-four mile run week, mm-hmm. however you slice it, yeah. whether you're an endurance runner or not, is still a huge week. So it's been a it's been a fun experience on putting it on paper and then seeing how four people apply it in different ways, where they are in their lives and how they train and how they sort of retain the information. And so we've been we've been progressing quite nicely. We had um a specific training plan in mind, and so what we started with is that we just started running for a little bit. But then I'm a simulation guy. Yeah, and so as you know, as, yes, I'm familiar. Chris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so we started, and I always said, you know, you don't need to run seven marathons in order to prep for this. We'll we'll build up to let's say five. Or close to five, that's plenty. If you can do five close marathons, you're ready for seven when you're rested. Mm-hmm. And by the time the durability and the endurance kicks in. So we literally started in June with five by eight miles mm-hmm. one week, and then we went back to marathon training and general stuff. And then we went to five by 10 miles. And then a month later, we went to five by 13.1, right? And so uh, constantly learning in that process. What do I need for fuel? And you don't really know that yet at five by eight and five by ten. But at thirteen point one, you're starting to pay attention. To what you need to eat during the week and recover. And and then we went to five by sixteen. Mm-hmm. But as we discovered at five by sixteen, the rails started <laughs> getting a little screwy because people just weren't able to do that type of volume. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a big run week and keeping these guys healthy and durable for the day, the week will be the primary Mm -hmm. objective. And so we just got together, we progressed to technically on the timing to five by 20. That was gonna be this past week. And we pulled the plug on that, mainly because we don't wanna get injured and different people have progressed differently. Like Alex, for example, he's fully ready for five by 20. He did the five by 16, felt good. We have another guy, he built up some good volume, but he got some niggles and injuries along the way. And I don't wanna put that load on him mm-hmm. right now. We've got Ryan, he's been in and out some injuries and trying to keep his body in one piece. Same thing, pulled the plug. So right now <laughs> we're sort of pulling a thread from now until February sure. 13th and trying to figure this out.
0: But meanwhile, these guys are masters of self-discipline. They know how to you know, sort of follow a chain of command. Like there's not a lot of excuses and wimping out and like that's gonna be so a little one, bit different, one, that's a problem. Right? Yeah,
3: because right? for the, the, overtraining they, or and not. I or put just, it on the
0: training piece, yeah. they're
3: gonna figure out how to do it despite being broken. Right? And so this is the whole coaching thing once again, that they're not very familiar with. They're receiving commands, but they're like the whole, I need feedback. Tell me how you're feeling, and uh-huh. what you're observing. Like, are there any niggles? How was yesterday's run? Like silence, got it done. <laughs> right he's yeah. like executed oh, yeah check like <laughs> that's what i get back or oh, i don't uh, get anything back and uh, i hear like a month later oh don't worry about him he's getting it done yeah <laughs> I'm sitting there going, all right so it is and these a guys are like
0: stuff. what's with chris and all his touchy feely <laughs> stuff like exactly. i did, i know you know he told me to do it and i did it
3: yeah <laughs> So yeah. it's 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 been a it's been a interesting journey and here we are and again we're gonna figure out now it's individual, right? Everybody has their individual there is no group plan in the beginning. And I knew that we talked about this early on. I knew that we would go our separate ways with regards to everybody having an individual plan and keeping it together for as long as we mm-hmm. can. Problem is when you're in a team in a unit like these guys are, if the one guy hears Hey what you did 20 miles <laughs> next thing you know he's out the door doing 20 miles and I'm like dude you're supposed to stop at 14 <laughs> like uh, we want to keep you healthy so it's been fun in that respect of just giving him a hard time but there is a you know I'm concerned not in a negative way but I'm concerned and paying attention that hey we've got 10 weeks to go till we fly to Dallas and I need you guys to sort of Now we're now in the dirty part and Mm -hmm. everybody needs to go their separate ways with regards to this is your training plan, this is your training plan and let's stick to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and with a a puzzle this complex, the chances of it going completely smoothly are pretty low, right? Like there's gonna be obstacles and shit's gonna get fucked up and not go correctly. But you guys know, I mean, you, you guys are masters of navigating that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean,
3: and I'll I'll answer into this part because Alex even asked me the other day with regards to like, how you feel about the team. And, you know, they know their world, but, getting into this space of just being that exhausted and broken down and from a physical activity like this and just going to have to run Mm -hmm. 26.2 miles the next day, even letting go and walking some of it, right? We just gotta execute. There's going to be so many dynamics in this that because I don't know them in past experience of doing an event like this, I'm more worried of like, how that shit's gonna hit the fan, right? Yeah. I know that they'll be fine and they'll bond and the, they'll be like, yeah, isn't this hilarious? Like my femur's broken, but look, hey, it's pretty funny. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want that. I don't <laughs> yeah. want that. Right? Uh-huh. So there's my nerves, right? Like I'm in a you know, I, I my conversations with, whether it's at home or with Alex is like, you guys, I'm very nervous because I want you guys to have this positive experience. this amazing experience versus go through misery for four mm. or five days,
0: so. Mm. Is there anything particular that you guys are like top of mind worried about or uh, the what's, next, the, what's the, the, yeah. Like the one thing that
1: is waking you up in the middle of the night about the whole thing. I know what you're gonna say already. <laughs> the next training peaks that comes in tomorrow <laughs> exactly. it always comes in at 6 p.m. Like, oh, I saw that email, let me just check that later. <laughs> Um, So the big thing for me when I started to put this team together is I knew that I needed experts, but I wanted them to have good attitudes. That was the biggest thing for me. It's like, great, I know a ton of experts in different genres, but you got to have a good attitude. And so that's why I chose the individuals on the team, because I know it's going to get hard. Um, 2014 or 15, I did a 100-mile run, and you hit those walls where you just hate Or at least I did. I hated, like, from mile 65 to 80, I was in this terrible wall, and it was just so miserable, and I didn't have positive attitude always around me. It made it even worse. Mm. And so I know that we're going to hit these walls. Going through hell week and SEAL training, it's five and a half days we were up just getting crushed the whole time. And so you've got the positive side of the house where there's people that want to be there that are just, like, in the psychopaths that are laughing at you with the femur exploded out of their leg, and they're just like, this is awesome, and they're holding it like, it could be a war game or something like that. And then there's the ones quit. So for me, like he said, it's keeping myself durable enough. Mentally, I know that I can do something like this if I were forced to do it or tasked to do it. But physically, will my body hold up? Because again, we're not trying to prove to ourselves that we're you guys, that we're these awesome athletes. We're trying to prove that a normal human being like myself can do this so you can too. Right.
0: But you're not a normal human being. Uh, I
1: mean... (laughs) I don't know. I don't think he's a normal yeah. human. But I'm not yeah. an ultra distance runner. I get that I'm part. There. I get that part. Yeah.
0: Um, I get that part. Well, maybe that's a good opportunity to ask you guys about, you know, the experience of, of being in the armed forces, being part of special forces. There is, you know, now we're in a culture where there's a lot of books out there, there's a lot of kind of internet influencer, podcaster type people. Like we know a lot more about what that experience is like but i think the normal person also projects an idea of what that experience is all about that probably doesn't exactly match the reality of it like how do you you know kind of characterize like how do you think about that experience and 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 you know how people might you know sort of get it wrong or or have a different wrong headed idea about what it was all about for you guys
1: i mean i i talked to a lot of kids that want to go on the program and I specifically talked to them about SEAL training because I don't know anything else. And I asked them why they want to be a SEAL. And I, I, there's not a perfect answer, but I want to see where their minds at because I didn't know anything about being a SEAL when I went in. I knew th- about being a student in training. That's what mm-hmm. we could see publicly. But 90% of the job is either miserable or it's boring. So it's that 10% that's just absolutely amazing that drives you to continue to do it all the time. And it's the people that really make it worthwhile. So. I mean, the job of putting all the gear together to go actually do the mission, it takes a long time and a lot of prep and it's not fun and it's not sexy. And then for instance, in the SEAL teams, let's say you skydive at night where you can't see anything and then you have to land in water and you know that it's the ocean and there's sharks and they love to eat things that look like seals. And then we got to dive underwater for four hour exhaustion dive and you can't see anything and you keep getting vertigo from the algae out there and you're just looking at a tack board the whole time and you finally get to your place for two minutes of glory And then it's over and now you gotta get out of there. It's Mm -hmm. that's not fun. You know, especially when you're doing it day and day and day again. It's just so it's about how much do you want it? And for me that's there's a huge misconception. And they also think that we're just these unbelievably unique people. And I don't believe that. And I think it's that you either have to be super stubborn to get through the training or you have to want it so bad. And that's something I don't think people give themselves enough credit for. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot more people that can make it into the special operations community. It's just not their thing or they're not interested in it. But for those who try and attempt, and I just don't think they give themselves enough credit to be there if they want it that bad, because we could have a bigger populace in in our community.
0: And what is the difference between the person that is able to make it and see it through and have a successful career versus the person who flames out? I think the big thing is like
2: not setting your aperture on what you're trying to complete close enough. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's not. Yeah, I'm joining the military, and 20 years from now, I'm going to be in this perfect unit doing this perfect job. You know, looking like this perfect special operator. I, it's more like, can I get through the? You know, hey, what if I make in it? The now, what if like, I make it to lunchtime? That would be pretty cool. Let me, let me focus. Yeah, let me focus on getting to this next. Stop point successfully. I mean, and, and, you know, that if that's not, I talk to my kids about that all the time, whatever they've got going on, right? It's, it's, it's about just kind of keeping your perspective smaller on it, you know, eating mm-hmm. the elephant one bite at a time. On what people get, get it wrong, you know, if you watch a movie, it looks like it's super exciting all the time. And, and, you know, even in, even in like the chaos of a, of a busy rotation overseas, you know, that's, there's not a whole lot of that. It's not like you're doing that every, you know, you're having these amazing, these significant engagements. At least I never, you know, it wasn't for me, like you have these significant engagements every night, mm-hmm. you know, for four months in a row. It, it's it's um, just every, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of operating just like you do in training. And then occasionally there's this, wow, wasn't expecting tonight to be like that uh-huh. kind of experience. and. And and then you come back and you you just go right back to what you've learned to do in training with regard to finishing up the night and preparing for the next you know getting ready to go out again for what may be an ex, you know yeah some people would consider an exciting night or a boring.
0: And, right. and not knowing when you're gonna go out again right? right like there's a lot of waiting around and yeah, sort of there were definitely rotations like that and then
2: there were some rotations where you knew even before you left the states it was going to be it was just gonna be a super busy rotation uh-huh. but the training is there there's not this magic where it's like well what it you know oh when you get to this level like what's you know, what's tell me the secret and there is the secret is there's no secret it's mm-hmm. like hey the stuff you learned from day one just keep getting better at it shoot move communicate get better at it to the point of being a master uh and you know and and like hey i used to be able to shoot a gun really good and you know laying in this one position to now i can do it you know moving through three-dimensional target with Mm -hmm. three you know three-dimensional environment with targets who knows where and successfully finish that type of training yeah there's there is no magic. It's just right. getting better at the basics.
0: And Chris, is there anything, you know, qualitatively different about working with these guys or these types of guys that 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 you've seen and and learned from, from, you know, that distinguishes them from the other just, you know, sort of civilian endurance athletes?
3: No, actually. Yeah. They're
0: humans. <laughs> you know, they're humans like
3: everybody else. They have a desired outcome. They're looking to achieve a goal a pretty audacious goal and it's out of their comfort zone, but overall the human side and who they are comes forward and you're dealing with the same same sort of yeah. versions of humans. I mean, the only thing is you, and that's maybe a mistake. You make assumptions of, oh, well, they won't, they're mentally this or they're not gonna quit on this. And that might be true, but you can't necessarily assume that on everything. You gotta treat them yeah. just like any other athlete because they're breakable too, <laughs> yeah. right? And they can overtrain too and so forth.
0: We have a sort of a tradition here on the podcast that we kick off January with with some special forces guys. We've done this a number of times. And because I have you guys here, I think it would be cool to talk a little bit about habit change because that is, that just happens to be on everyone's mind at the beginning of January when people are thinking about their their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, their new year's resolutions, what they want this new year to look like, overcoming, you know, past bad habits and replacing them with healthier ones. How do you think about goal setting and 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 habit change? Like what practices have worked for you, which ones haven't, and you know, what are what are some kind of words of wisdom that you can impart to that person who's trying to put the pieces together to create something uh you know, different and more exceptional than their previous
1: lived experience. There's a lot there. Um, This, this next uh, year is going to be different for me because I'm still going to be focused on getting through this one. So I'm going to be very focused in training peaks, but ultimately I think for me, because I've done this um, 2022 as a self-reflection, am I happy? And do I love myself? That was my biggest thing. And so for me, I would say, instead of focusing on, okay, what are the new objectives for the year? it would be like, more internally. How can I actually focus on myself to make myself feel much better? How can I love myself again and be human and be happy again? Mm-hmm. Then I can start to project all the cool things I'm gonna do because if you love yourself, everything else is easy. So that's something I had to do and take a deep look in. And it's not easy, but it very well may be the hardest thing, but the best thing you can do for yourself. Mm. How about you, Alex?
2: I like the, um, I mean, I think there's always, there's never a better time than right now to to have a habit change that's for the positive, right? Um, with with the people I work with and with myself, I try to, you know, I used to um, if I couldn't if I lost my window to go to the gym for this perfect workout, I just wouldn't go at all. And I've realized that as a dad of a bunch of kids and husband and and a guy trying to make money in the civilian world, you know, sometimes I just got to accept you know, B minus work, right? Mm-hmm. So my biggest recommendation for anyone trying to move into a set of better habits is start small, don't boil the ocean, take any positive progress, you know, day to day as a win. You know, kinda, uh, the Army, the, the military has task condition standards, right? So you can be like, oh, this, the standard is, you know, here's the task, here's the conditions, here's, here's the standard that I pass, yes. Well, make your standard you make it a window but have the bottom of that standard where you can say did i pass yes low Mm -hmm. right so yeah i want to have this optimal day tomorrow where i eat perfectly and you know my salad the chef like sang to the greens before he put them in the bowl that i or whatever you know like that's perfect well have perfect as a ideal but accept accept the like a day as a win if you if you get some movement in and you and you eat pretty decently and you get a little bit of you know basic focus on sleep done so that you're you're not just a, a train wreck every day and mm-hmm. then and then when you when you even when you don't make that minimum standard you know give yourself a little grace and get right back on the yeah. horse because the problem is people are like oh this is how I'm gonna live my life I'm gonna change all these habits and then they miss a day and then they miss two days and then they're like well I'll I'll start again next year, Yeah, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. What's interesting about, it's great advice. I think that's really good advice. Um, But as you're recounting that, I'm thinking, you know, guys in the military, they're so disciplined. Like these guys have, you know, their habits dialed in, they know what they're doing, but you're also in, this highly regimented environment where accountability checks are built in and you have an agreed upon goal that you're collectively working towards. Like there's systems in place to kind of, these guardrails, right? That are directing you towards a certain kind of outcome. And then in the civilian world, it's kind of just up to you, right? Like you have to create that accountability for yourself. Like you have to try to recreate whatever, you know kept those guardrails up in the military in your own personal life. And that's a different, type of skill set did you find that challenging when you you know left the military has that has or do you just have like that's so ingrained in you that you kind of know how to do
1: that for yourself I yeah. mean for me, I saw it right away that people around me weren't operating at a standard that I would have felt was sufficient uh, but it didn't change how I operated but it became difficult because they weren't operating so yes that's mm-hmm. it's very difficult um, so that's why you form a team around you. So that way you can put out word and you can better serve like hey i want to help you with this but this is the way that i'm going to do things and this is what i expect in the military when a senior leader would come by and say okay here's the word of the day and this is what we got to get done check 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 and then by the end of the day all he has to do is say bird check we're good yeah he knows it's done and in the civilian community if you did that in the corporate <laughs> how are we doing well <laughs> let's talk to hr real quick <laughs> uh-huh. it's gonna be a long time so That's personally why I form a team around that are better than me so that I'm held accountable even though I'm creating these things because it's a lot. right? And it's not easy. It's definitely not easy being a civilian. It's very difficult. It's not just because of the military, it's difficult. Tough times out there, there's a lot at stake. I mean, you wanna build a family someday, you wanna retire someday. So you gotta put the work in while you're younger um, and fortify yourself. Mm. Chris, you always have a lot of wisdom around habit
0: change.
3: Well, I'm about aiming at something, right? Like it doesn't have to be the perfect goal, but aim at something. And along that journey, you're gonna discover a lot of things about yourself, but also what you don't like and what you do like. And we know that the human being is most happy when they're making progress. Even if it's miniature little progress goals, like Alex was talking about, we get a little dopamine hit, we get some validation that we're on the right path towards what we're aiming at, right? And standing still leaves us somewhat unhappy, actually digressing, makes us very unhappy. So find something to aim at. And so when it's around something, whether it's New Year's or something that you're, you're missing a direction, aim at something that fulfills you, that gets you Excited that makes you curious. And from there, start taking small steps Mm -hmm. and actions. And again, it's the small things that we keep saying that keep adding up. And, And everybody that I talk to is when we come up with adventures with a lot of athletes that I work with, they ask me, well, what should I do? What's the adventure I should take on? What do you think I should do next? And it's more diving into what they're curious about or what invigorates them or wonder what they've always wondered, Hmm. I wonder if I can do that. And if there's a string to pull there, that's the direction to start heading in because then you're satisfying a deeper need, curiosity and a deeper why, and that's fun.
0: Mm -hmm. There is something magical and mystical about what happens when you just string a few sort of actions together that are self-esteem building or moving you towards a certain goal, even if they're super tiny, right? Like you create this momentum and that momentum builds, suddenly you're more enthusiastic about taking that next step than you were one step prior because yep. you did these two, t- it could be tiny. It could be like, I brush my teeth, you know, in the, m- whatever it is yeah. that you're struggling with. And then you do that. It's like, a, you know, this this idea of self-esteem is a function of doing, um, esteemable acts and those esteemable acts can be on, on behalf of yourself, right? And when yeah. they're small, but those things like they really like build in this compounding kind of way that can really redirect your life. So it is really important to start small. It's that idea of like atomic habits, right? That James yep. Clear book, like- mm-hmm. But it's also finding about those looking little back, things. right?
3: You, if you do those small things, you look back and you go, mm-hmm. man, I've come pretty far even in a short time, because I've strung those little things together. And I think that's also an accelerator to where you where you wanna go. Right. There's one thing pulling you to, or you're aiming for, but you're also moving away from something and you combine those two motivations. That's a pretty powerful tool. Meaning I no longer wanna be this person, whether that's in a health way or in a personal way or in a career way and you're moving towards something you're striving towards or you're aiming towards, that's pulling you, that's pushing you away. Now you have double momentum. And when you're in that sweet spot and you've identified that you can do both, it helps you on days when you're not that excited to move in that direction, Yeah. but you're reminded I no longer wanna be that version of myself. So it gives you that little bump that you're talking about, that little extra step forward. Yeah,
0: I I think that that, to, to Ryan's point, it begins with that first question, which is like, how do you feel about yourself on the inside, right? Are you happy with who you are? And if you're not, it is reflecting upon you know the past, like who have I been in the past and how do I wanna show up in the future? as a solvent to that notion of like, I don't feel good about who I am right now. And, and that's a, an exploration of your values, right? Like you have to be clear on like your values because your values paint the portrait of the person you aspire to be. Like how well are you living up to these values that you feel are important, right? And then dissecting that into actions that you can take that will move you towards that more aspirational version of yourself that is, living up to that value set that fundamentally you feel like is important and a reflection of the person that you wanna be. And it's dynamic, right? It's
3: constantly moving where you're in, in, with regards to your values, sure. right? And it's, and who I don't wanna be and who I do wanna be. And so there's that, that's constantly sort of in this little flux state. And so if you're kicking that forward a little bit, I think that's when you're also, finding it easier to do the hard things.
0: Yeah. And 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 that idea that if you're not feeling good about who you are, it's probably because there's tension between you know how you're showing up in the world and how you wish you were showing up in the world, right? Mm-hmm. That makes you feel like shit and then you beat yourself up and you go down that shame spiral of, you know, making the second mistake that compounds in the negative direction.
3: Well, that's especially when you think of new year, right? We create those expectations. We created that story mm-hmm. of who we want to be. <laughs> Which is just a story. Exactly. Yeah. And so then we're stuck and we give <laughs> yeah. ourselves a hard time for <laughs> yeah. something we created. That no we one else to is be. giving you exactly. a hard time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the hardest judge is on ourselves. And so that's why I talk to a lot of athletes too. It's like, wait a moment. You set that expectation to do X time or do X distance or take on X goal. It's like, we can modify that. Like, uh-huh. well, I gave my word. Okay, that's a very important thing. And it's, it's meaningful to a lot of people that they gave their word, but you can still move towards that by sort of creating a little bit more leeway around that expectation. You mm-hmm. still can achieve it, but give yourself maybe a different timeline or give yourself some, you know, a different path towards it. But expectations are hard, hard, hard drivers of how we judge ourselves. And that's one of the nice things about this project. We have no expectations on how we're gonna do it. We just know we are going to do it. Uh-huh. Right? It's not like, am I going to run a three thirty marathon? Everyone, no. Are we may, in the Antarctic, we're going <laughs> to absolutely we're <walking>. not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. we'll be walking a lot of this in the two. snow, That's... right? So it is, it is what it is, and you're just going to achieve your outcomes and don't judge yourself on the expectations you created
0: for yourself. Yeah. The yeah. other, the other really important piece there is sustainability, right? So we all know people set these New Year's resolutions and you know 2 weeks, 2 months, 3 months whatever flame out, you know. Here we are again. I said I was going to, you know, go to the gym every day or whatever it is, and it's unsustainable and they lose interest or they miss a day and do that thing you were talking about where it's just like you throw the baby out with bath water. Well, oh, I can't do it and so I just I'm giving up altogether. So how do you think about and communicate um, around this notion of sustainability to create these habits and practices that you know, conserve you long-term because it's not about what you're gonna do over the next two months. It's like, where are you gonna be next January and beyond? Yeah, I, th- I think um something that
2: some people, you know, what, one way to m- maybe change the, the thought process for people is, you know, hey, I wanna lose 40 pounds. Well, that's great. You wanna lose 40 pounds, but let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the behaviors that we can measure, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, every day I'm going to, I'm not going to have any food until this time, and then you know this is what my first meal is going to look like, and I'm going to do all the stuff we know to do from a nutrition standpoint, based on my lifestyle, that's going to move me towards that goal. But I'm not measuring, I'm not getting on the scale every day to see if I lost 40 pounds because that's just like punching yourself in the face, Mm -hmm, right? Right. But I can go. Okay, did I did I eat the way you know? Did I eat within my protocol? Did I keep my food well? The time, the amount of hours I ate. Throughout the day, uh, in in the in my you know my target range, did I did I get my baseline protein requirements in? Did I stay away from added sugar and all the you know highly processed and highly refined foods that caused me to gain this weight? Like you, like I'm not. Yeah, I have this goal, but I'm gonna keep track of of my of my behaviors mm-hmm. and measure those and, yeah. and base success on that.
0: And maybe not even set losing 40 pounds as the goal, but set living your life as a healthy person as the goal, where right. the 40 pounds comes off as a byproduct of the goal of you know, adhering to the habits that a healthy person would because being a healthy person is a value that you know, I want to manifest in my own life.
3: Well, that's an identity question too, right? 40 pounds is a, is a, is a projection. Whereas I want to be the type of person who is active or who is leaner or healthier, now you have a wider runway to achieve that. Your 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 goals along the way, your mini objectives, and how you're progressing towards that, give you a lot more leeway from a sustainability standpoint versus, oh, I've only lost two pounds in the last you know month. Mm -hmm. Well, that's. Disappointing. But if you're sort of saying, well, I am already living out the lifestyle of somebody who I'm looking to become, who eats healthier, who's more active, who gets a lot of sleep, and you know, who cares about how they're caring for their body and their health and wellness. Now you're already that identity. And along the way, you're gonna get those benefits. I'm the type of person who, well, I can do that. I can do that. in. Fo- Two minutes from now, walking out this door, I can be the type of person who lives like that. And now it's just, all right, that's already who I am. It's non-negotiable. It's an identity of mine Mm -hmm. and I can be that person. The other thing I always look at is how am I progressing from yesterday? It's those mini steps. Like I don't, maybe I didn't eat perfectly. Maybe I didn't do that workout, but I thought about it and I took care of myself in other ways. So I'm a little bit better than yesterday. And again, I'm moving towards I'm the type of person who, because then now we're dealing with identity versus judgment.
0: Mm. Why do you think most people abandon their New Year's resolutions? Because it's
2: it's the end of the year. They're probably eating the worst they eat most. You know, over the whole year, they're probably already uh, not treating themselves the the, the, right way. Um, I mean, if if I had to think about you know we're as busy as we ever are it seems like as a family so oh i'm as busy as i'm ever going to be and i'm going to make this i'm not even going to take time to think about my new year's resolution and an actual execution i'm just going to throw it out there Mm -hmm. and then you know january 1st you're like what was it yeah that's
0: it's a weird time too because everything in my dna is telling me to you know Uh, hibernate and go under the covers. Like it gets dark early. I don't have the energy that I have in the summertime. Like, you know, we're sort of programmed for this time of year to like slow down and kind of stop doing things. And yet it's the time of year where we have more social obligations and expectations around holidays and social, all this kind of pressure on top of it that, that it like, it's like, I don't, this is not the time of the year that I wanna do these things, you know? Yeah, throw big goals yeah, at yeah, myself. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, big goal. Yeah, like I wanna sleep and you yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> gather the chestnuts. I think another interesting thing, and
2: I think about this from the military in general, and I'll just tell a story that maybe will paint the picture, but I would get my new guys from training uh, as a leader, mm-hmm. and, and I would immediately take my new team guys to the, O-course that we had access to every day of the year, knowing that they hated the O-course because what they- What is the O-course? The obstacle course, okay. excuse me. So I'd take them down to the obstacle course, knowing that they probably hated it because every time they'd run it to that point, they were timed and it was a test and they either passed or they failed. And if they passed, maybe they were first and so they love the O-course, but maybe they were last in the whole training Group and just and it was just a super stressful thing that when they heard when they saw it on the schedule, they were just like, "Oh great, I've got to go run the obstacle course and and see how bad I do." Um, I would take them down there and I would be like, "All right, uh, everybody, give me your watch because we're just going to play on the O course. We're not going to do the O course as mm-hmm. a timed event and try to ch- immediately change their." aperture on what the O course was because it was an amazing training opportunity that just I mean it was just amazing you're you're in all these different dimensions of moving across ropes and and different planes of of uh momentum and stuff and and learning transitions in that environment and stuff was amazing Uh, people get out of the military so so hey let me let me take something that you hate about the last little bit of your life and 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 change your perception of it. I think a lot of people get out of the military and they are like, "Man, I spent 20 years having to come in every morning 5 days a week or 3 days a week and do these stupid runs in formation and call cadence and then I had to do these stupid push-ups, whatever the case may be." So they get out of the military and they're like, not having to do that anymore. I'm not, you know, and then they, because of some angst they had about something they hated, they r- lose the ability to identify that as part of a healthy life, yeah. maybe in the future. And, and of course, that's catastrophic, as we all know. I think New Year's resolutions are kind of probably the same thing. I mean, it's like, oh, I have to have a New well, Year's resolution. You bring yeah. up a great point, you know, and that's
3: what I was just thinking when you were saying that is like, wait you're forcing a goal into this window where you're not really thinking about a goal. Like if if it comes to you naturally where you say, oh, I wanna do that. I wanna achieve that outcome. But we put January one and we go, okay, I gotta think of a goal. I gotta think of a new year's resolution. Mm -hmm. It's not natural. It's not your natural rhythm of figuring out a goal. Instead, maybe a short term, like I like to do, who do I wanna be on February 1st? Right, that gets me all right through the holidays. Well, who do I want to be on the Q one? Q when Q one ends, so that now I'm just thinking for the next twelve weeks versus this whole annual thing, where even you have to sit down and think about your year and reflect on your past year. That's overwhelming to me, mm-hmm. and I live in the goal space. And it's right?
0: it's fabricated it's, and exactly. artificial. Like, and you feel this pressure, like you have to ha- you have to come up with so this. So thing. Then how are you going to yeah, stick yeah. to
3: that? Right, you're not going to stick to that. Now, but if you say, I, once again, I wanna be in six months, somebody who looks like this. Okay, well that why? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because X, Y, Z, I'm going on vacation. I'd like to look good. It means a lot to me, whether it it that should be something that means a lot to you or not is a totally different question. It's more, if it's important to you, good. Now we have a goal that's important to you. We have a timeline and we can gradually start moving to it. But this whole, Forcing a square bag in a round hole just because it's January one, right? Seems like doom for failure in the first sure.
0: Case. And and to Alex's point, how can we reframe or tell a new story around the pursuit of hard things so that it's more like play or fun than regimented in this artificial kind of performance construct, right? Like remove the. Timing for, I mean, especially like, as we're getting older, right? Who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, <laughs> come exactly. on, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, can we just do this for the joy of it? Yeah. And, and you know, be be um, nourished through community and the collective pursuit of doing hard things as opposed to qualifying for X, Y, or Z, or, or meeting some kind of artificial performance goal that we may or may not achieve and if we don't, we feel less than about ourselves when honestly, it doesn't really matter. As long as we're staying healthy, yeah,
3: progressing forward so that we feel good about ourselves, nourishing, exactly. Nourishing ourselves, that's the part. Sure. If you can figure out a new year's resolution where you're nourishing your soul and yourself from a physical standpoint in a positive way, it's
0: gonna be so much
3: easier. Yeah, that should be our word: nourishing.
0: Nourishing. There you go. Um, all right. Well, for this seven X insanity, uh, are you feeling the pressure, Chris, to I keep am. this thing on the rails? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Right. You be guys fine. are Look great. they are like, wait hey, a moment.
3: He's worried. Yeah, I know. So stressed <laughs> out. Just... Are
0: you? <laughs> um, I did see on the Instagram account though, there's this woman, Katie Hernandez, who's gonna do a mile in a bomb suit. Like, tell me about that. I wanna hear a little bit about that.
1: She's a uh, officer EOD, which is Explosive Ordnance Disposal. So she's a bomb tech. Mm-hmm. They're the psychos. They're the ones who take bombs apart. We like to blow stuff up. They like to take the stuff apart. So she's awesome. She's a world record holder in doing a mile in the bomb suit the fastest. Bomb suit can weigh anywhere from 100 or 90 to 150 pounds. Wow. So she is an awesome, awesome person. She's a great human being, good attitude. And she really wants to challenge herself, continue to challenge herself. So she's ra- raising money for this cause. And as a function of that, instead of her doing the marathons, she's gonna go a mile. In each. One country. mile in each of them. That's she won't be cool. cold in Antarctica.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she was right, right? Um, you know, my, yeah, I just, I'm thinking of like Jeremy Renner in the bomb suit in uh, in, in the movie, of course. Um. Yeah, hundred. I didn't realize it
1: was that heavy. Yeah, you imagine uh, a, a bomb going off. You want something to protect you. Sure. It probably won't do the job, but I think their running joke is that if you mess up, you'll never know. So. Right. I guess that keeps them at be peace. To,
2: they'll be. Co- they'll all be in one spot if they
1: mess up. Right. They, the bomb suit's not really saving you. No, but after after yeah. she's done with it, and I get out of the plunge, I'm jumping right in that thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm really excited about this for you guys. I can't wait. To, are we going to be able to kind of watch it in real time on the internet somehow? Like how how can people support what you guys are doing? Um, what are some of the you know charities that are you're supporting? Where do you want to
1: direct people so that they can you know stay up to speed with everything that's going on? Well, I appreciate that. So it's seven xproject project. You can follow it on social media. And AmericanExtreme.com is our website. Mm-hmm. We'll be giving updates and we will be doing live segments and we will be putting everything online at AmericanExtreme.com and we'll continually blast social media through this event. Yeah, cool. There's going to be news coverage and all the jazz with it. And then we are going to build this into something that people from any genre can come and participate in after.
0: Right. And what are some of the, the nonprofits that you guys are supporting? So
1: we focused on a plethora of different organizations. We w- didn't wanna double tap. So they could be anything from mental health related to physical ailments, so injury, Gold Star Families, helping veterans transition. They're all veteran and first responder focused and mm-hmm. not just American, but elsewhere. So every one of our charities is up on AmericanExtreme.com. We have 14 organizations globally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes. I saw that, like the beneficiaries, that page, right? That's correct. I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. Um, final thoughts. How are you feeling? Um, I feel
2: pretty good. I mean, again, once uh, once you get the professional in and he's telling you what to do and you're uh-huh. able to execute it, um, and knowing that you know it's more to task not to time. Yeah, uh, I I I think it's gonna be a hoot, and it's. It's going to be the hardest. In some ways, it's already the hardest thing I've ever done, just because of the hours of sure of uh, you know training requirement, et cetera, and like th- plan this out over the next few months. It's going to be awesome. Um, lots of Murphys, I'm sure we're going to have lots of. Oh, we we're, weren't expecting that to happen, um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be very exciting in a run a marathon every day sure. kind of way.
0: So we're recording this in early December. Uh, This will go up at the beginning of January and then the event kicks off in late February, February 23rd, is that right? February? Mid-February.
1: Mid-February. February February 13th is where we're congregating in. February 16th is actually when we'll be out in Cape Town to get ready to go.
0: And if people are listening and they live in one of those respective regions, can they come out and be boots on the ground to support you guys or run alongside you or any of that kind of thing? Like what happens if, you know, people are listening, they're in London and they wanna,
1: you know, watch this all go down when you guys are there. Bring it on, share it with your friends, tell everybody, tell the queen oh, tell the or queen. the king now, <laughs> tell yeah. everybody. Um, and we do have a few seats. You gotta available. figure out this London bridge thing, man. You gotta jump off the bridge. So. To his point of he's feeling good, I'm the opposite because uh-huh. I'm also on the logistical side of the house, so we're yeah. still in pre you know, all the planning, so there's a lot to still accomplish um We still have a few seats available if there are those who love adventure who want to go along with us how many seats how
0: many how many seats on the seven fifty seven it's like four 400. hundred seats so people we're right? only, it's an,
2: i think it's an airbus actually it's an airbus mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, it's an an a airbus. wide body aircraft it, yeah it, it it's gonna have um more seat yeah way more seats than than we need and we'll actually turn part of the aircraft into more of a recovery lounge. Yeah, yeah I mean are you going to you, you
0: want to sleep, right? So you're not right. going to sleep in We've normal meds. airplane seats, no, right? we're
2: like we'll have a whole athlete section of, you know, hopefully even some soft-side hyperbaric chambers and stuff like that yeah. in the back to to do a little bit of recovery work in, but well the other interesting thing from an admin point is for every seat, like for every X amount of seats you keep on the aircraft, you have to have a stewardess just due to regulatory uh, flight requirements. Attendant. Flight yeah. attendant. Excuse me, flight attendant. <laughs> Sorry, wrong word there. Um, but the, um, so we're trying to, like from an admin standpoint, as I listen to all of those calls occasionally, uh, there's even those issues of of trying to really be precise with how we mm. keep the air, aircraft set up. Sure. But as a wide body, I think, you know, over 400 seats would potentially be the capacity.
0: I can't help but think when we when in talking about like customizing an Airbus for an endurance adventure, I'm like looking at your All Day Running Company hat, and I'm like, we got to get Jesse Itzler to just buy this plane when the thing is over. Yeah. <laughs> Call yeah. it the All Day We're Running Company Airbus, just put sauna in the and cold, cold plunge, plunge, and it'll just go from one twenty nine to twenty nine
3: <laughs> to the next All Day Running event. Exactly. <laughs> I think there's an outcome there. Yeah, paging Jesse Itzler <laughs> on that. Exactly. But. I I think um, we're we're. Th- how many seats do you still have available? We have six, so we're six. only allowing thirty right yeah.
0: now,
1: and that's and big, it's a high big
0: ticket point. item. If people are, are if some baller out there is interested in mm-hmm. in contributing and participating in that, uh, they just go they go to the American Extreme website and they yep. can get information and contact you that way. Yeah, you'll contact me yeah. directly,
1: and we'll just run you through everything. Yeah. yeah,
0: and are you have you met your like sort of fundraising goals just to execute the the. Adventure, or are you still looking to raise some money? I mean, obviously you want to be able to give back to these nonprofits and beneficiaries, right? But-
1: Yeah, so we've met the goal for this to actually happen, mm-hmm. but there's going to be that oh shit effect. So we're still raising capital so that we can cover down on everything. And then how we're splicing this is 100% of the net proceeds from the documentary and the manual that's sold go to these charities in perpetuity. So it'll be that yeah. everlasting gobstopper for them to continue to fund them.
0: Cool,
3: Yeah. right on man. Final thoughts, Chris? Well, I've never done something like this before, so I'm well, pretty. Yeah. Nobody has. That's true, <laughs> but it's uh, I'm doing the scariest thing I've ever done, which is jumping out of a plane. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I've always said, you know what, not for me. And uh, so I'm happy to go to the edge of my comfort zone a little bit, but yeah, it's gonna be um, an adventure for sure. And final thoughts would be, I just wanna get back on boots on the ground in Dallas. Everybody's safe, healthy, had the Mm -hmm. experience of a lifetime and then I can sort of exhale. Yeah, cool.
0: Um, Final thing, uh, you mentioned you're putting together this manual, which I think is great. Like, is there an ETA on wrapping that up and making that
1: available or is that TBD TBD on the website? It is TBD on the website, but 2023 having it completed. And we're not sure on when we're gonna debut it, but we're gonna get to work on it pretty soon.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys. This is, in addition to just being an epic adventure that you guys are about to embark upon, um, the broader mission of addressing veteran rights and and just mental health issues at, at large, you know, in this very strange and kind of difficult time that we live in where a lot of people are suffering unnecessarily is really important work. And I applaud you for that and uh, wish, you, wish you guys well. I'm at your service. If there's anything I can do to support you or help you guys out, please hit me up. Thank you. Can't wait to hear about it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Here we are. We did it, we did it. Good, happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. (laughs) Happy new year. Right on. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest,